obvious to all of you how much I love Annie and love serving with you over these years. It was just such a blessing. I can't even, I'll be here all day if I tell you about that. Uh, Chris and I are so glad to be back. And, and Matthew, Pastor Matthew, when you spoke, uh, spoke about a church feeling like being home, coming in and belonging, that's how we feel here uh, to all of you. I, I don't think I'll get to see all of you today. You might get to hear me if this microphone stays on. I don't know. <laughs> Stephanie, you may have to run up here and help me out. But I just want to say thank you, Pastor Matthew, for in inviting us. Former pastors don't often get to go back home. So uh, your church family is so deep in your heart, and you are in mine. It just makes me so happy to be here. You all look better than you did when I left. Just <clears throat> Chris keeps saying, but your eyes aren't as good, Greg. Maybe you're not seeing <laughs> well. Uh, so we're glad to be here. I think it's time to look at God's Word, and maybe my voice will clear up, and if not, you'll just have to listen awfully well today. So let's stand, because we're going to be hearing our Father's Word together. Uh, let's look at the Gospel of John. This is where you've been all through Advent. Uh, let's start at verse 11. <clears throat> the Word, the Logos, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him yet. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a, a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, John said. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may take a seat. So it was Friday, October 4th, 1979. I, I know I looked it up that uh, Chris and I were living actually in Wisconsin, but I, I had an invitation to speak down at Moody Bible Institute down in the city of Chicago, so I took the trip down there. And I'll tell you, as I was driving into that city, I couldn't believe how crowded it was. I mean, it wasn't just cars. But there were people everywhere, and I could hardly even find a parking place. If you know Chicago, it's, it's 800 North is where Moody is located. Could hardly even find a parking place, and finally I found one jammed our little in car, car into that place, and then I had to try to make it over to the Institute, wading through all these people who were on the streets, and, and they were getting angry with me because I was trying to get through. I had to get over there to speak at, at the chapel that was going on. I couldn't figure out what was happening here. Finally, I got to that corner. If you know Chicago, at the corner where Moody is located, the corner of Chicago Avenue and North LaSalle Street. And as I got there, I pushed my way through, and, and the policemen were blowing their whistles, I think, at me, and the people were ups, uh, upset. And I thought, what on earth is going on in this place today? And then I looked, and I saw that coming down Chicago Avenue and then turning north onto LaSalle, here's a, a picture of what was taking place. Yes, that's the, the Pope Mobile <clears throat> carrying Pope John Paul II driving right past me where I was located. He was no more than five or six feet away from me. 
And I'll tell you, the people in that crowd were crying and screaming, we saw him, we saw him. And, and others were declaring, our lives will never be the same. And then when I got back, and, and Chris knows this friend, when I told a Catholic friend about it, he looked at me as if to expect that my face would somehow be radiating you know, the divine glory like, like Moses' did after he had encountered God in the book of, of Exodus. Now, today, just to help you get into this message, I have to confess that I was sure I saw it there. I don't think it affected me as much as it did everybody else in the crowd, though I, even for me, it was really thrilling. Few things in all of my life have exceeded the excitement of those people on that street corner that day shouting, we saw him, we saw him. And it was evident to me that my eyes weren't quite the same as theirs, you know? that I didn't quite see the same as they did. Now, I knew, I was, so I was, I was doing chapel and I was preparing this message for you, so I told some of the student chaplains that I worked with about this, and they said, that's probably not gonna resonate with anybody younger than you, uh, chaplain. They called me Chappy G there, just to let you know. And um, so I said, what, what would this resonate with where people are so thrilled? So this, this picture shows you what they told me about. I'm, I'm gonna look and see. I'm the young adults, you'll, you'll know what the rest of you may not know. That's BTS. That is the biggest K-pop group in the world. They, at every country in the world that they go to, the same thing that I saw out there on the streets is what happens there. People swoon. It's kind of like, if you're my age, it's kind of like what happened when the Beatles were here in my day. Now, I thought about all those things <clears throat> as I read the, past, the passage, Pastor Matthew, that you assigned to me for today, uh, for this Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas. It, this might be Christmas Sunday, Sunday before Christmas 2022. Now, you've been going through this Gospel of John, chapter 1, all through Advent season. For those of you who are just visiting, you don't even know that. So to get you into today's message, I'll just walk you through where John takes us at the beginning. On week one, Pastor Matthew spoke of how even before the beginning of all things, there was a word, a logos, through whom all things were created. Like in Genesis, when God created, he spoke a word, and that word was with God, and the word was God. And, and Pastor Matthew so profoundly pointed out that the word that the Gospel of John uses in Greek is logos, which not only means word, but also means meaning. And that the one who comes brings meaning into this sometimes confusing, complexing, perplexing world, amen? That message. Then week two, Pastor Jorge, my friend, Sanchez, went to verses five through nine. And he told us that the way for this word was being prepared by a preacher of all people. That gives hope to me. And he called him the, an excellent minister of Christ. I hope you remember that. His name was John the Baptist. And he really preached what we always need to preach. Get your lives ready. There are some things in your life that need to be prepared for the way of the Lord coming into your life. Then in week three, last week, Professor Amos Young took us to verses 10 to 13 and let us know that when this Logos, who can bring meaning into your life and into their lives, actually came, the people did not see him. They did not recognize him. But he doesn't give up. And that, that point that really hit me if you read through the rest of the Gospel of John, you see that. 
the meaning doesn't give up. Jesus keeps breaking into all of these different lives, ready to change things from the way they are to the way, ultimately, they are supposed to be. And because, as last week, uh, there were some who received him. And to those he gave, you heard me read it, the right, the power to actually become children of God, not just physically born like Bethany and Isabel, <laughs> born of God, which, which means coming alive to God. So I tell you, as I read John 1, 1 to 18, written by the one that the Bible describes as the disciple whom Jesus loved and who loved Jesus. Kind of the way I feel today is coming and being with you. Something happens when you get with people you love. I feel when I read these verses, extraordinary elation building. Uh, John writes that this, I tried to read it that way. John writes that this miracle that is this logos, this word who made the world, actually came into the world that he made. And then it's kind of like on that street corner in Chicago that day. I feel like through his writing, John can't contain himself anymore. He says, we saw him. We have seen the glory of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. Well, surely even John didn't see all the glory of Jesus. And I, uh, I'm glad we sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Jeremy. You know I love that, that carol. Because Charles Wesley, who wrote that, was commenting on these verses that, that uh, I've been assigned. And he saw, I think, the same thing that, that John did. And he writes in that beautiful carol. Every time you're in an elevator in a dentist's office and hear it coming piped through in December, you, you have carols all the time here. When you hear this line, just think about it. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, and I know that old language almost obscures what's happening there. Deity, God, incarnate, taking on human flesh. God was there personally with him, and John just rejoices. We saw the glory of the one, full of grace and truth. Wesley knew, and I think John knew, that when we see him, when we see and meet Jesus as he is, um, our lives can never be the same. And John had seen him, and I think Charles Wesley had seen him. And my question today is, do you? It's just such a simple question. Do you? So my question, I'm going to just, all, day, all, all in the moments I have, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to this. What do you see when you see Jesus? What do you see? Um, I don't know if you remember any of the messages I ever did. Um, <clears throat> one of the messages that I did, I, oh, more, probably more than that, I said that when you actually see Jesus, it changes every part of your life. But one of the first places it changes is your eyes. Uh, you begin to see things different from the way you used to see them before. You see all sorts of things. And one of the points that is made here, things that are real, that maybe you have sensed are real but never really known, you come alive to them. They become visible in a new way to you. It's what Jesus means when he talks about being born again. Most of us as human beings, because I think we are made for eternity, we sense that there are eternal spiritual realities 
Most people I meet, even during all of my meetings with different people here in, in California, though, though they, they, they were willing to be spiritual, they, they didn't know if they wanted to know God through Jesus. They had a deep sense that there is a God. And what happens is, when you start to see Jesus as he is and be, believe in him and follow him, you are born again. You begin to come alive to those things that you thought were real because you already know that just this material, physical world can't be all there is. And you begin to come alive to that. And this is a message that permeates the entire Gospel of John. And there were many people who would have been church kinds of people, religious people, who thought they saw, who didn't see at all, and would ask like in John 9, are you saying we're blind too? And essentially, yes. And it's always made me think, oh, brothers and sisters here in the church, are we as blind as they were? And so that, that question is going to kind of be rumbling underneath my whole sermon today. Uh, in uh, last week's message, this idea of seeing came up. Verse 10, the light of the world came into the world, but people in this world did not see him. They did not recognize him. Next week, you have to come and hear Pastor Matthew. Your text has this as well in John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God at any time except God the Son, <laughs> and he has made him known. So today we're going to um, pause and consider what John meant when he shouted out, <laughs> I saw him. We have seen the glory, and I'm going to just keep asking you point blank, do you? Do you? So how do you see Jesus? There in verse 14, the way that John put it, is he is the one and only Son who came from the Father, the one who is full of grace and truth. I wanted to read back a little bit earlier because John had set this up as early as in verse 10. Uh, he had used the word world three times. Jesus was already here in the world, but although he was already here before he was born, he, the people of the world didn't know him. They were dead to him. So he chose out of love to come a new way. And verse 14, if you could put yourself back in the first century, and I wasn't even alive back then, if you could put yourself back then, verse 14, if you had been listening to John say this in Greek, it would be a shock to you. Because this, he said, this is how he came. The word became flesh. Um, that word is in, in, in John's language was, was sarks. I don't know how that word sounds to you. It was almost a crude word to them that you wouldn't want to use with public people too much. But I really thought that maybe our word flesh isn't like that, so much different from that. I don't know if you've ever gone down to Taylor's uh, meat shop and said, give me a pound of flesh. I want to eat some flesh. We just don't say that. But when you think about that, that is the word he chose to use for Jesus becoming human, it says a whole lot to us about who God is. For one, it tells us that, that God isn't just some sort of a force or a principle out there somehow running the world, as so many people sort of want to think about him. And it also tells us that he isn't just sort of a light within us, spiritually enlightening us somehow, as so many people try to think of him. It says he is distinct from the world. 
He made all of those things, but he was willing to enter into the world, even into the fallenness. I mean, even though he himself was not, he entered into that by taking on human flesh. And why? Well, I think it's because of what John said in the next phrase. He made his dwelling place among us. A lot of words that you could use for living in a place. He chose a very special one. It really means tabernacled. Last, week, last year, didn't you go through the book of Exodus? In the book of Exodus, when the people were being rescued out of Egypt, out of slavery, and being delivered and liberated so that they could get to the promised land, God had them set up this mobile tabernacle, this, this tent. And why? Chapter 25, verse 8 of Exodus, so that I may dwell in their midst. And during that time, we would say, read that God often manifest himself in a shining cloud that would be above that tent, and, and the Jewish people called that the glory. I think next week you're going to focus on that. God couldn't be seen physically. His glory was veiled by a cloud, but the glory of God was there and present, and he was journeying through that awful wilderness with them. So, the Jewish people came to love that tent. They loved that thought of the glory. And, and John really, and you, now you can understand why he explodes in joy. He's saying, what I'm going to be telling you about is much better than that. He actually came, and we saw him. Now, I always get excited preaching, you know. I've been thinking about wanting to try to communicate why that has come to mean so much to me. So I'll see if I can do it. Do you, do you ever complain about how confusing and uncertain things are in this world? Any, any, you don't have to vote. Here is God who becomes flesh into this perplexing, confusing world filled with uncertainty, but he, he himself not uncertain living in a way showing us how to live, becoming the logos, ready to bring meaning into what seems to have no meaning whatsoever, caring for you when you don't understand. Do you ever complain that you live in a pain-filled, suffering world? Anybody at all? <laughs> can't, things you just can't understand. Here is God become flesh, suffering in this world without even a place to place his head, understanding it when we go through those times of suffering and pain. In fact, more than that on the cross, not only suffering with us, suffering for us because of our sins. That's our Lord. We have a strongholds ministry at Wheaton College for, for students who come with addictions and they're seeking to find liberation. Do you ever complain that you just feel like you're tempted beyond measure? Why, why can't I get victory over this? Why does this keep coming? Here is God become flesh, tempted in every way like we are, but without sin, and being willing on our behalf to find a way to forgive us of all those times when we failed, and then giving us his spirit and his community 
where we can grow to have someday really have victory. May it come quickly, amen? Do you ever complain that you live in a dying world? Have you ever had any loss, even this past year, of somebody you love? Think about when Chris and I lost our only daughter and my, my only brother. Here is, is God become flesh, dying, dying for us, overcoming death, and telling us that death is not the end of things. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. And, and, and am I letting you see why it is that John, with such gratitude and thrill, shouts out, we saw him, we have seen his glory. We saw him read the Gospel of John. We saw him provide for these hurting people at a wedding that couldn't provide for them. We saw him when there was this sick man that he met in John chapter 5. He'd been sick his whole life, infirm, and he raised him. We saw him when people were hungry out there listening to him and him providing food for them. We even saw him raising the dead in John 10 and 11 with Lazarus. John says, I'm, I'm going to tell you in my book, at least seven of the times we saw his glory. I'm writing this book. He said, I'm writing this book. Well, listen to his own words instead of mine for him. John said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in my book, John says. But I have written these that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing, you may see, you may come alive, you may find your life in his name. So uh, people who saw him should have believed. He did what only God could do. He did what the Messiah was supposed to do. They didn't. John did. My question to you is, do you? Not just show up to church, do you? Um, I just have one more. I have two points in this sermon today. Second, after seeing Jesus, I want us to turn our eyes on ourselves. How do you see yourself? I want to take us to verse 29 where John the Baptist, the one who prepared for him, said, see. That's exactly what he says. That's kind of my sermon to you. Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away sin, and it's the sin of the world. So John says Jesus came to this place he had made, but the people, even though whose line through whom he had been born, didn't see him, didn't want anything to do with him. And, and do you know why? I, I want you to think about this. Why, why did they not want to see him? It's the same reason why so many people in our world don't want to respond to him. Jesus came as a human being, was meant to be from the beginning. Without sin, without flaws, without selfishness, without deceit. As John says, he was full of grace and truth, which is the way you and I are supposed to be. Jesus then was the blueprint of what all of us should be. Because you and I were made in the image of God, amen? And yet we fall short of that glory of God that we were made for. Can I have a witness, anybody? <laughs> I'm the only one. I am the only one. So, amen. So it is for me. But Paul wrote, no, we all have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 8 really will say to it, 
our destiny in Christ is that we're going to be conformed again to the very image of Jesus. So Jesus was perfectly the way all people ought to be. So when people met him, they came face to face with pure, untwisted humanity as we're supposed to be. And when they did, they had to look at themselves and they didn't like it. When you meet Jesus, there are things that have to change in us and still have to change until he's completed his work in us. And sometimes it's embarrassing and humiliating to look at that and to have to confess it. All of us have lots of stuff that still need to be confessed to him, things that need to be cleansed, things that need to be forgiven. And then we find out as we try to change ourselves in our own power, we can't do it. We go back to the same old things again and again and again. It's not just at Wheaton College that people need to have strongholds that need to be broken. It is us. I didn't hear a single amen there. So I'm going to tell this. Last month, I had the incredible privilege of interviewing Johnny Erickson Tata in Wheaton College Chapel. Uh, the president couldn't be there. He called me and said, Greg, will you do it? So I, I said, yes, I'll come and do it. I'll have a picture of her up here, how she looks now. I mean, she's 73 years old. This is amazing. Those of you who don't know Johnny, I'll just tell you a little bit. When she was 17 years old, she drove, dove into the Chesapeake Bay, and she was misjudging the depth of the water there. And what happened is she had this fracture between her fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae that left her a quadriplegic. She said, perhaps even a tetraplegic. So she's paralyzed from the shoulders down. I, I, I'm guessing most of you probably know she didn't give up. <laughs> she has become an author, an artist. She paints with her mouth, a songwriter, a singer, a founder of this global ministry, Johnny and Friends, which reaches so many of those who are disabled. And during the interview, uh, Johnny shared so much about her life, but several times she just shared with great transparency her own sin, the temptations that she just still has not found victory over. She, she kept emphasizing how much all of us there needed to see ourselves as not yet being whole, as sinners who desperately need ongoing forgiveness and even just straightforwardly saying that apart from Jesus, we are destined for hell unless somebody is willing to step in and rescue us. So after she had talked about this about three times, I just said, why are you emphasizing this? And she said that unless we're willing to acknowledge and confess the bad news about ourselves, we will never really be grateful for the good news of God's grace. It's got to start with knowing who we are without him, people without hope and without God in this world, deserving judgment for our sin and ultimately separation from God eternally. And when we realize that and see that God loves us anyway and receives us and gives us a new beginning, we, like she, become so overwhelmed with gratitude <laughs> that we'll shout out as much as, as John did in his gospel. I'd tell you, when I, when I got to meet her, we had to do it remotely because of her health. But when I got to, to be with her, um, I met a person filled with joy and filled with gratitude. Jesus alone lived the way you and I should be living our lives, 
none of us have, and none of us are perfectly now, even those of us here at Lake Avenue Church. You and I are all, like the people John would write this letter to, people who fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus lived the life that we should, we don't. He was willing to die the death we deserve. And anybody, this is hallelujah time. Um, he died it in our place so that we might live. He wants us to confess our sins to him, and he loves to tell us our sins, I will, your sins I will remember no more. This, this is what John the Baptist said to all the people when he was there. He said, see, see it. This is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And that means all of your sins, he would say to them. And I think if he were here today, he would say it means all of your sins here at Lake Avenue Church. And he's not going to be done with you until the victory over that sin has been fully accomplished. Now, I have to tell you this. I remember so well just being back here in this pulpit. It's a different table. Um, When I was pastoring here, I would always come the night before the sermon, and I would preach the, uh, preach the sermon. I, I would envision all of you being here. But show me all the, the sinners who are there, <laughs> the really bad ones. No, I didn't, I didn't. But I would preach, so I would sit there and, and just pray God would use this word. And, and, and as, as I was delivering the message almost every time, I would be convicted by the word of God and by the spirit of God. And right here at this place where we have the step, I would just get down on my knees and say, Lord, I've been walking with you so long. Why is it still that I need to come to you and say, Lord, yet again, yet again, will you receive me again? And then to hear those beautiful words that if you confess your sins, I will be who I am. I'll be faithful. I'll be just. I will forgive your sins, and I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Even as I tell you, I mean, those encounters with God right here in this place are, are things that I will never forget and so touch my heart so, so deeply. I would reaffirm my faith. I would confess what they were. I would reaffirm my faith, and I would just say so simply to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I am a believer. Whatever else I am, I am yours. I don't know why you would ever want me, but I am yours, and I am a believer right now. The, the amazing thing is that God is ready to welcome people like me and like you. So I want you today to look deep inside. Can you really acknowledge that you continue to have a desperate need for your sin to be taken away? I want you to tell Jesus now. I want you now, just like I would do here, confess those sins and tell him. I give them to you. Hear him. Say, I take them away, and tell him you believe in him. I tell you, every Christmas season, um, when we sing this song, O Come All Ye Faithful, I think, who are those? None of us should be singing. <laughs> if they're the only ones who get to come and sing, it really should be, oh, come all ye unfaithful, because there's only one who is fully faithful. Amen? 
the only one who's fully faithful. It was so amazing when just last week my friend Jamie Rankin, some of you remember him, sent me a song, and the title of it was, Oh Come All You Unfaithful. Um, so I sent it quickly to Jeremy and, and to Matthew and, and to Duane, and in my sneaky sort of way, I thought, your, your work is already planned so much for next week, I know you can't do this. Maybe next year you can do this, really hoping they'd write back and say, we can do it now. Um, I want you to listen to a little bit of what this wonderful Christmas song written by Lisa Chloe and Bob Coughlin says. Oh, come, all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. Oh, come, barren and waiting ones. Oh, come, bitter and broken. Come with fears yet unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. Oh, come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. So now the truth. The reason I'm preaching this message today is that I don't want anybody to leave Lake Avenue Church on this fourth Sunday of Advent 2022 without being absolutely certain that you are alive to God through faith in Jesus. Today, my prayer is, no matter how many times you've been to church before, or even theology classes you might have had, I want you to settle this in your heart, cement it in your soul so deeply that when you leave here, and all the uncertainties of this world that, that we walk into happen. And all the temptations and sometimes failures that still are a part of being this side of heaven take place. That one thing will be a foundation that guides you through all of that. And that is that Jesus is the Savior and Lord of your life. I, I want you, some for some, maybe for the first time, to really say, here are my sins, do you really want them? I, I turn from them, I give them to you, and hear him say, I have taken them and, and cast them as far as east is from the west. And for some of us who've been to church so often and could be like those religious leaders in John 9 who says, are he, is he trying to say we're blind to it? I said, maybe. Make sure that you see. I want everyone here either for the first time to profess your faith in Jesus or reaffirm that faith. I want to have our music team come, and we're going to have some prayer counselors come to be with us here. I want us to give us a chance to actually do this with one another. Now, I'm not thinking about that usual evangelical way of talking about whether we are alive to God, which is we do it in the past tense. Are you a Christian? Yes, I did it back when I was six years old or, or when I was at camp. You know, the Bible almost never talks about it that way. It puts it in the present tense. It's like physically. Are you alive? Well, I think so. I have a birth certificate here somewhere. You know, yeah, I must. No, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm speaking. It's a, it's a present tense sort of thing. And I, 
I want you to do this, and I want you to do it publicly. And why? Am I scaring you? I, I want you to. Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So I'm going to have some, we can't stay long. Our time goes so quickly, but I'm going to have our prayer counselors. I don't see them if you will come. And Pastor Matthew and I will both be down here right at the front. And I hope that you'll have a good song to sing asking us, asking us, this is the gospel. This is the good news, isn't it? The opportunity sometimes to, with humility, confess, I'm not yet all you would have me to be, Lord, but I am yours. And to let us all know that we want to say that to him and, and profess to everyone, I am a believer. And even if all you can say is something like this, I believe, help my unbelief. I want you to come. Just make sure that you are truly alive to God. Begin the music. We'll be here. Come, come as you sense the prompting of the Spirit.